Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the shit show of my 20s. On this episode, I spoke with Teresa and we spoke about her journey from being a virtual assistant to being fired from that job, moving to LA and starting her own blog, and then later she realized her passion for travel writing. We talk about how she met her best friend through Craigslist and how she met her husband. I hope you guys enjoy listening. Thank you, Teresa, so much for joining me today. I'm really looking yeah, forward. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing your story, all about your travels. Um, I would love to start at the beginning. If you could give me like a little detail about your background, where you're from, how your journey's been like so far. Sure. I am from a small town in South Carolina, and growing up, I really wanted to be an actor. So I was auditioning and performing in community, like just community theater productions. When it came time for me to go to college, that was what I wanted to major in. So I went to New York City. I majored in acting at university and was really like on the fast path to just like, like to have a career. That was my focus. And I actually, I graduated a year early because I was just really set on like being an actor in New York. And once I graduated, I was pretty burnt out actually. And just, I I don't even think it was from school. I think it was really from the city itself. And so I tried to make it work in New York and I I was pretty exhausted. So I decided I was gonna move to San Francisco. I bought a one-way ticket. And I moved to San Francisco when I was 23 years old. Um, there And San Francisco City, just kind of figure yourself out because it feels like even if you're an adult, you're still kind of a child. It's just like, it's such a magical, fun city. And it's, it's a perfect size of a city too. So I feel like San Francisco is really where I kind of became more of who I am. And that's where I started sharing my writing more publicly. I started a blog. Um, I, I started a travel blog at that point. And pretty quickly, I was like, oh, I, I really like this. I like doing this. I think I should get paid to do this. And so from that point, I focused on writing as a career. I was working as a personal assistant as well to like earn a reasonable amount of money. And I was actually a virtual assistant. So when I then was moving to Los Angeles in 2015, I'd met somebody and he lived in Los Angeles. We'd done long distance for a while, decided to close that. I moved down to Los Angeles. And at the exact time, my boss, who was I was the virtual assistant for, fired me. And I was devastated. It was actually, it's very cliche to say, but it was like the best thing that could have happened to me. So I got to Los Angeles and I was just like, I'm like, I'm only going to be doing writing now. I'm not going to do any more virtual assistant work and I want to focus on that. And so that's what I did. Um, And I have been here in Los Angeles since 2015, which is kind of crazy. It's five years. (laughs) Um, And I work as a freelance travel writer now. And I, yeah, I live in an apartment with 
my husband, who is the person that I moved to Los Angeles for, and my cat. <laughs> and did you know when you moved out to Los Angeles um, for him, did you know he was going to be your husband? No, we, I didn't know that. I, um, I was, I think, ready to kind of move on from San Francisco in, in some ways, too. So there, there was other reason than just him. Mm-hmm. And we were very smart about it. I didn't move in with him when I moved down here. I actually moved in with a girl that I met on Craigslist who is now my best friend and the person that I host the podcast with. I have a podcast, and so she became my best friend. And uh, I didn't actually move in with my husband until after we got married, not for any kind of religious reasons or something like that. Just we, we really liked where we lived. Um, but, yeah, once once I was down here, it was like, okay. You know, it, it was it, it, Los Angeles was our chance to be like, what does a normal relationship look like for us? And if it worked out, then sure, maybe we'd proceed. But there was never anything like, oh, he's the one, like right when I moved down here. It was definitely, there was still a period of we're, we're testing things out. And how did you guys meet? We actually met in Vegas, <laughs> which sounds really ridiculous. And it sounds like it could be really scandalous, but it's not. Uh, I was, this was at the time that I was working as a personal assistant and my boss, aside from having me, was hiring other people around the globe to do film and post-production work for him. And in Las Vegas, every year, there's this big convention called NAB and it's just a bunch of post-production people. It's, I mean, thousands of people, it's humongous. So that's where we met because the person that I worked for also hired my husband. So we met there and it was like, you should come to San Francisco sometime. You should come to Los Angeles sometime. And then he did come up to San Francisco and we, we got to know each other better then. But we did long distance for two years actually. And it was one of those things where it was like, it was good until suddenly it was just really hard. So it's not like the relationship was bad. It was just like, this is really exhausting. It's financially, you know, a strain. It is a time thing. And then it's also just like, you're constantly saying goodbye to your favorite person. So it, it got to be really emotionally tiring. And were you like hesitant towards doing a long distance relationship? Or were you like all in or? Yeah, I'd never done one before. So I was a little bit hesitant. I I don't think I needed too much convincing, but it was definitely like, I don't know, this isn't 100% what I ever envisioned myself wanting or needing. But at the same time, I think that's sort of how life goes. You don't always, you don't always necessarily know what you need or know what you want. And I, I think my relationship when we were doing long distance was, it was great. I mean, it's great now. And I love being in person with him, but having a long distance relationship was actually really awesome, especially for someone like me, who's a really independent person. So I enjoyed that. I got to go visit him for the weekend, hang out. And then when that was all done, the week was mine. I got to go. I didn't have to consult or like try and plan around something else. It was always just like whatever I wanted to do in the middle of the week was for me to decide. So I actually really liked it. 
it just, like I said, after about a year and a half, it was, it's pretty tiring. Do you have any like tips for anyone who has a long distance relationship or wants to get into one? I would say, I mean, for me and my partner, my husband, we had a groove and we know that we work best if we talk to each other every day. So that was one thing that I think was important was just establishing what is the kind of level of communication you're looking for and that you need. And aside from that, I think setting up a date every week on Skype is really nice. Um, we're, you know, we're talking right now in the midst of the coronavirus and everybody is connecting via FaceTime or Zoom or something. Um, but it was something that we made a point every week that we would put it in the calendar and it was like, okay, Thursday night, we're going to watch a movie together while we're on the phone. And, you know, so it, it felt like we had this connection, even though we weren't in the same city. I think the, the place where it fails or where it started to fail for me after a while was like, it'd be nice just like on a Tuesday afternoon to swing by his apartment and hang out for a few hours. Like you can't do that in a long distance relationship. But as long as you have like the steady communication that satisfies you and you're making a point to connect I think every week is a good a good number, but it's unique to every relationship. But as long as you've got that, like that's a really good base. And then the other thing is just like absolute utter honesty about everything because so much gets lost in translation if you're texting. So I couldn't be the kind of person who was kind of fuming about something and hoping he would figure it out. It had to be like, hey, you said this thing or did this thing that upset me. Like, can we talk about it? So just having like being really upfront about stuff was it was a great way to like build the foundation for our relationship, but also to keep long distance really viable for us. And when you started like sharing your writing do you have any hesitancy towards sharing your writing? Did you always know you had this like passion for writing? What was that like? I'd always had journals and had actually had a number of blogs before in my life just for fun. So I it wasn't that I was necessarily new to writing, but definitely sharing it. And I don't think I was super hesitant. I think I had a friend who was pushing me. She was like, you want to start a travel blog? Like you should just do it. Like who cares if you don't travel as much as you think you should just, just start it and do it. And it was really good encouragement because it got me in this, in this habit of every day I was writing for something that wasn't just for myself. That wasn't just for personal pleasure. Um, it was, to specifically like go on the blog. And I, it was something I knew I was going to be sharing with people. So it was a great chance for me to kind of hone my voice as a writer and like figure out what my style of writing was and what I enjoyed writing about and what did and didn't work for me. And honestly, like whenever anybody asks me any kind of career advice, like how do I get started in writing or even just like, I'm feeling stuck in my career. I tell them they should always start a blog 
because if I'd started this travel blog and within a month I was not really into it, that, that would have been great information. You know, I would have been like, okay, so writing is not for me. I actually don't want to have a travel blog or be a travel writer, but it was something that within a month of starting the travel blog, I was like, I am so into this. And it was like, I was dedicating so much time to it, like a ridiculous amount of time. So it was, yeah, it was actually really exciting. And I think really cool to tell my parents that I had started this thing. And my mom was like, Oh, you're always, you've always been such a good writer. I'm so glad that you're doing this. So it, I think it's, it's definitely much more in my, in your head when it's just like, should I share these things? Like, I think when it comes to sharing art, the more that you can, the better. Are you still currently blogging? You know, I actually am kind of revamping my blog right now. It's called Tremendous Times. And I had like from 2015 to 2018, I was blogging very regularly. And then once I started focusing more on like travel writing and journalism, it sort of fell to the wayside. So I'm actually, I just changed the website and I'm, uh, I've gotten all the old blog posts in one section of the site. And now I'm going to kind of start fresh because I, I just feel like there's so much that I've learned since I started five years ago, or actually, I guess I started the blog in 2013. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even know the dates anymore, but, um, but yeah, there's just, I feel like I'm a very different writer now. And I also do have to be a little bit careful. I can't publish something on my personal, like on that blog that I could potentially write about for a magazine because I can't have like two of the same story out there. So, um, so I'm just having to kind of like rethink things. So I, I am wanting to blog a little bit more there, but, uh, yeah, it's been a couple of, a couple of years of just kind of not doing it. And then now I've just got the fire again, which is exciting. I kind of want to know more about how you met your best friend off of Craigslist. <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> so I moved to Los Angeles and I knew that I didn't want my boyfriend at the time. I didn't want to like move in with him. I didn't want to impose on him, but obviously it, it was this hard thing. I just lost my job. So I was also busy looking for work and he was like, you can like stay with me you can stay with me as long as you want to. And I was like, I'll stay with you for a month maximum. You know, he also had a roommate at the time. So it was, it was like a cramped space and they were so kind to let me stay there. And I looked on Craigslist. I also posted an ad on Craigslist as like, I'm looking for a place to stay. And I got an email one day that said the headline was I'm the Craigslist killer. And I was like, this is so weird. And I open up the email and the opening line is like, ha ha ha, just kidding. And it was this girl named Suzanne. And she was like, I've got this great room in my apartment. And I, I think I just like archived the email. I thought it was ridiculous. And I was like, that is just not a joke that you want to play on someone. <laughs> and then she reached out again and was like, Hey, uh, I'm sorry if that came off kind of weird, but are you still looking? And I was kind of desperate at that point. And her apartment was honestly like exactly the neighborhood I wanted to be in. And it was a good price. So I was like, 
all right, I'll go, I'll see this place. And I go, her apartment's great. She's not a Craigslist killer. And yeah, I move in. And I think I probably lived with her for a year before we became actually really close friends. Um, But yeah, I just like, she's one of those people that you meet. Like when you meet this friend, you're like, wow, this is like, a buddy for life. Like this is someone who I'm always going to be in touch with and who I can be very honest with when I think like when she needs life advice or, you know, it's not just like, Oh, we're going to grab a drink like once a month. It's like, I talk to her every day somehow. And yeah, she's just like the coolest person. And I think brings out really great qualities in me and makes my life infinitely more fun. Such an interesting story. <laughs> it's good that she sent you like a second email. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I think about that. Where I'm like, I just ignored that email completely. So I'm glad she followed up. I'm glad we were both a little desperate for yeah. her Yeah. And so you mentioned um, losing your job and moving to Los Angeles. How did you like cope with losing your job? Like, do you have any tips for anyone who's like going through that? How? What made it easier for you? Man. Crying, (laughs) crying made it easier. (laughs) I cried, I think, for a week, like not a week straight, but every day for a week, I cried. Not because I loved the job, but because I felt really, first of all, sorry, first of all, I felt really sidelined. I had no idea that it was coming. So that was really painful. And yeah, just this whole, I was like, I'm going to move to Los Angeles. I have a remote job. I'll, I'll bring that down with me. Life will be great. And then, you know, two weeks before I'm going to move, my boss is like, I can't pay you anymore. So you're no longer working for me. And it was just very devastating. I think, yeah, there was just a period of grief that I kind of had to get through. And then once I got, I had the advantage that I was already making a big life change. So it was very scary to be like, I'm going to Los Angeles and I don't have a job or a place to live. But I was able to approach it from the attitude of like, this is an opportunity. And I have to say like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very privileged person. Like I, I'm a white woman. I'm straight. So like, I have a lot of things that definitely have been advantageous for me in my life um so yeah it was a challenge but I think if the circumstances were different it would have been like even even harder but having just a good support system was was definitely the biggest help because I remember once once I was off the phone with my boss first thing was like I called my boyfriend I called my dad and my mom so, you know, having people who are there for you and will just listen to you, really very devastated. Uh, that was such a big help. And after you, um, after that job, what was your next job after that? So I responded back to my friends, well, not friend, but this woman off Craigslist named Suzanne who became my friend. And she was like, are you like, what's your job? 
And I lied and said, I'm a writer. (laughs) And within two weeks of moving into her apartment, I luckily did find a writing job. And I mean, it's not even like, it's kind of insane how lucky I got because this is a client that I still write for today and they're wonderful, but they were just, they posted some ad, they were looking for a staff writer They wanted someone to work for two days a week. Once they got to know me after like a two week trial, they were like, let's have you come in more days. And then after that, they were like, would you want to be the managing editor of the site? So I got to have a year of like actually managing the site. The site is not travel related. And so I reached a point kind of near the end of a year of being the managing editor where I was like, I think I need to focus a bit more on travel content and travel endeavors. Um, But I still write for them today. So honestly, like I just got really stupid lucky. And I always recommend this website to people. It's called Flex Jobs. That is actually where I found this job. And so I, it's like 35 bucks, I think for the year. And they have all legitimate postings of jobs. And they're usually like remote or some kind of flexible schedule situation. So yeah, I just, I got incredibly lucky. And it was my, like my big foray into writing as a professional. What'd you start off writing about? And how did you know that you wanted to write about travel? When I started working for this company, they are called, uh, they're called Dialine. And the website is thedialine.com. I already had the travel blog, so I knew like I wanted to be a travel writer if that was all possible. The wider lens of that was like, okay, well, if I can just get paid for writing, then that's good. So what the Dialine focuses on is design specifically with branding and packaging and I think one of the biggest things that I realized about myself with working with them that I still I get to realize almost anytime I work on an article for them is how much I love interviewing people and putting together profiles which is just basically like an article that it's about somebody so like a profile on Michelle Obama like I'd interview Michelle Obama (laughs) in my dreams and then gets to write an article about her. So I started with the die line doing a lot of articles on designers and people who had made these really cool things. And it was very quickly. I was like, Oh my goodness. I love connecting with people in this way. And I love getting to tell their story. And so that's something that I still do today. Like I write for Forbes, which is a pretty well-known website. And then they have like a contributor section and I contribute for their travel. And I do profiles on really cool women around the world. That's one of the things I love highlighting really strong, amazing women who are just doing these incredible things, whether they're the first of their like first person to do something like this, or they're entering a kind of career path that not a lot of women do. So uh, that's been something that has just been such a pleasure to get to do. And it's actually how I kind of developed the podcast idea as well, because that's basically what we do with the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I started out actually with a lot of design writing and then 
through cultivating more of my interests that way, then I was able to be like, all right, I need to focus more on travel. And that's when I started learning, you know, from a professional standpoint, from a professional standpoint, how do you pitch a magazine? How do you determine what sections of a magazine are accepting pitches from freelancers? And like, what should you include? So that was, that was a whole separate thing of, I think, six months of hardcore pitching and hearing either no's from editors or just like nothing because the story just wasn't a good fit for them. And how did you... So it was exhausting. Yeah. How did you get past hearing like no all the time? Like how did you keep going through that? That was hard. Those first, those first six months, I, I remember becoming so obsessed with first thing in the morning, turning on my phone and seeing if anybody had gotten back to any of my emails. It was very, like, very unhealthy. I, I think I had de- developed a bit of a tough skin from acting, so that was very helpful. Uh, I Honestly, like, hearing no is a really not it's not nice but it's very reassuring because if I hear a no back from an editor that means first of all they saw my email and felt like it was worth replying to and they read the pitch so they they know that like I am a professional who's like they should go ahead and respond and just be like thank you but no thanks and there's so much that comes into play with what an editor will accept. And I, you know, I had a bit of this experience being a managing editor myself and accepting pitches from other people. Sometimes it's, it's not that the pitch is bad or that the idea is bad. It's just like, it's not a good fit for the publication. It's not a good fit at that time. And so I think that was kind of like what I was clinging to when I would hear no's or if I just wouldn't, wouldn't hear back from people at all was like, okay, like, Yes, I have a lot to learn, and I probably sent off some pretty bad pitches, but there were some really good ones, too, that I sent off, and I I really loved when people would get back to me and say no, because I was like, okay, this isn't 100% what I wanted, but at least I'm on the right track, and I'm getting there. And what's one of your favorite stories that you've written? One, um, one for travel and one um, for about women. Sure. Ooh, favorite stories. I really enjoy... There, so there's this uh, section in a magazine called Design Anthology. And Design Anthology is actually... They have a UK publication, but the original Design Anthology is based in Asia. And so the like the primary content that they produce is about Asian designers... Asian architecture, hotels, things like that. But they have this one really like beautiful section of the magazine. I mean, the magazine is beautiful, but this really like aspirational section of the magazine that is, it is really just about transporting someone to a certain place. So it's, it's travel based, but it's not about like, here are the top 10 things to do in this city. It's just like, what is it like to be in this city? Like, what does it smell like? What are you eating? You know, what do you see around you? And I got to do one of those 
for Rome, Italy, and it was such a rewarding and fun piece to write. And I think often the pieces that I do write are the the kind of helpful articles, like here's your itinerary for when you go to this city, or like here is an, an interesting aspect of this city that you might not know about and how you can get involved with it. So to be able to write like in a really descriptive, like almost flowery way, it felt like for me, I, I loved that. And then for my favorite profile of a woman that I've done, there's so many incredible women. I think one that I really loved putting together was on a woman named Zena Benchuk. She is, she works for Intrepid Travel, which is a tour company. And she is kind of like in Europe, the Middle East, and I believe the northern part of Africa is like her, her area that she focuses on. And in 2017, she lobbied against the government so that they would issue more licenses for tour guides because they kind of like would would be very specific about how many they'd hand out. And that really put a limit on how many women could get them because not only did they not continue to have testing so that people could get tour guide licenses, but illiteracy is a big problem in Morocco. So she lobbied against the government in Morocco for them to issue more tour guide licenses and to get more female tour guides. And she won. She was able to like get them to, to issue more of these tests. And I, I, we actually spoke to her for the podcast as well. Um, she's just, she's so incredible. Like, I think about people who like fight for the rights of others not because it benefits them in any way, but just because they know it's like the right thing to do. And she's one of those people. And it's just like incredible to get to talk to someone like that. And uh, I did that, that piece on her was in Forbes about her story. And what's your favorite place that you've ever traveled? That's tough, but I always tell people, and I still stand by it, uh, is Iceland. Mm -hmm. Iceland is such a great place to visit for like endless reasons. It's just beautiful. It is a great city for a road trip. It's safe for women. But I think what I like the most is that as you drive around, you'll see this little symbol on the road signs and it looks like a command symbol on a keyboard and that just basically means that there's something that you can see on the side of the road there or you know however many kilometers down the road so it might be like a vista it might be a church there might be some kind of like beach or something whatever it is so you can just decide or waterfalls there's like so many waterfalls in iceland and so you just, you're driving around and you can decide, do you want to stop and see what this thing is? Or do you want to keep going? And so I tell people, it's like a choose your own adventure country because you just, you get to make your own itinerary like on the fly. And it's so, so beautiful and just a wonderful place to visit. What are some places that are on your list to visit? Oh man. So many. 
I actually, Morocco was actually a place I was going to be going this year and it's been postponed due to the coronavirus. I, I would really love to go there for the architecture and I love the desert. So I'm interested in exploring some of the more natural parts of it. I think a destination that is that is often con- compared to Iceland, which is New Zealand. I'd love to go to New Zealand. I'd like spend a month or something just driving around in a camper van if I could. And I haven't been to Japan yet. And I actually don't really like, I'm a vegetarian, so I think I might struggle with the food thing there. But I just, any picture I see of Japan especially like Tokyo or Kyoto, it just looks unreal. So I'd love to see that in person. And are most of your travels, are they like solo travels? Do you go in groups? That's a good question. It, it varies, but I would say 80% of the time, if I'm going on a trip for work, it's going to be in a group, which they call it a press trip. So I'm on this press trip or a media tour, and it's usually like four people, like four journalists, and then a publicist. So someone from a PR company who is helping you get all the information that you need so that you can write this story in whatever magazine or, you know, whatever website. So it's it's usually a group of other people, which works well for me because I like having interaction with other people. Um, but I, I still will sometimes tack on a day or two before or after a trip to like, just have my own time. So I do a little bit of solo travel, but it's most often with other people. And then every once in a while, I'm able to bring a guest on a trip. Or, you know, sometimes it's just like my husband and I have planned a trip and we're going to do it. Or sometimes it's my friend Suzanne and I We've planned a trip, and so we just do that. So it varies, but mostly if it's work, it's with other journalists, like three of them. And do you think everyone should go on, like, their own solo trip? I think it's a good experience, for sure. I I didn't really have that experience until, gosh, a little later in my 20s, when I was maybe 26. 27 and I've like always kind of had that itch to do it and like go pack like backpacking across Europe or something and I think everybody has this romantic notion of like going backpacking through Southeast Asia or something like that and I just never really done that you know I was so focused with college like graduating and even in college I was like I wish Like I wanted to study abroad, but I was like, no, I don't want to study abroad because then I would graduate later. So I was like, I want to graduate. I want to be an actor in New York. And then once I was like, oh, I'm an actor in New York and I'm very poor, like I couldn't travel anywhere. And so, you know, I wasn't able to do that. So I did finally get to do that solo trip when I was 26, I believe. And yeah, it's just like such a wonderful experience. I I know that people sometimes go on solo trips and they don't have a good time. Um, They find it hard to connect with other people or they're just like kind of nervous or maybe they pick a city that's just not good for solo travel. But in general, I I do think it's a a good opportunity if, if someone is able to take it 
like totally do it. Even if it's just a week, even if it's just a weekend, like go somewhere where you don't know anybody. If, if you don't speak the language, that's even better. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll learn so much about yourself. You'll meet people who you will never forget. Like maybe you won't stay in touch with them, but people who you're just like, I remember that weird person that I met in Santiago, Chile, you know, at the hostel. (laughs) So it's just, yeah, it's like enriching life experiences that if you're able to have it, I think it's good too. Are there any places that are really good for solo travel? Um, so many places. I mean, I, I do think, I guess that comment was a little misleading. Like I think any place could, could technically be good for solo travel. Although like, maybe going to the Maldives is not a good, good solo travel destination because it's so expensive and like everyone will be like, why are you here alone? Um, it's like honeymoon capital. But if it's for someone who is maybe feeling not as experienced in travel and just wants something that's like a sure, like this will be a good option. Western Europe's always a great choice because it's very easy to get around most people in any of the major cities are going to speak English and you're going to meet so many other travelers from like the UK or Germany and you'll be able to connect with them very easily. Uh, the other option obviously is like Southeast Asia, like going through Thailand or Cambodia, which feel like if you, if you've never, like I didn't even start going to Asia until like a year ago. And it seemed like very other world to me. And it's it's very, like, there's lots of tourists there, too, in certain places, especially, like, Thailand. Um, the benefit with some place like Asia, especially Southeast Asia, is it's very affordable. So if you're, like, very worried about money or you're like, I can't really afford to take two months and travel around, like, consider a place like that because maybe you could take two months and, you know, stay in hostels there for, like, five dollars a night and I I'm you know I'm not experienced enough with any place in Africa to be honest to to be able to recommend a place um but yeah I would say definitely like Western Europe like any place that you could pick there Portugal Spain Germany Italy Denmark they're like they're all great And how has it been, like, how do you balance a relationship with, like, traveling full-time? Yeah, we have, I have the advantage that we started out our relationship long distance. So, it, that coming, that comes into play with, like, we talk every day. So, even if I'm super jet-lagged and just want to, like, go right into bed at the end of a press trip day, I still call my husband to be like, love you, I'm going to bed. <laughs> you know, we still talk on the phone, even if it's really brief. So I, I just think like we had a really good foundation that was like perfectly suited for me to have a career like this, where we're not always together. And, you know, that relationship being long distance really fostered independence in our relationship and like having our own interests doing our own things and not necessarily having to do everything together and respecting that like 
we can be happy in certain situations, even if we're not together. So like, sure, ideally, like we're together and traveling around, but that's just not feasible. Or sure, like we're at home every night together, but that's just, that wouldn't be great either. So respecting that, like we're two different people, we need to be honest with each other and like keep in touch. And I think that really has been working for us. And how do you handle like being burnt out of travel? And do you like ever get burnt out of traveling? I do, yeah. Last year was a very exhausting year. I spent like 50% of the year traveling. And it's such a rewarding job being a travel writer. I love it. But it is a lot like you forget how exhausting it is to just like be on a plane. You know, so it's like, sure, I get to go to Europe and, you know, spend three or four days there. That's great. But also, like, I took a 12-hour flight to get there and a 12-hour flight to get back. Um, so it very much messes with what is the time zone? Like, I don't know what time zone I'm in. My body definitely doesn't know. I, you know, I have to really push through on on press trips and be awake sometimes very early, like seven o'clock local time. And we're out and doing things until 11 o'clock PM. So I have to like be active. And then I still go back to the hotel room and I have to file a story or send emails, you know, like, so it's, it's very exhausting as well as being really rewarding. I don't think last year I managed that exhaustion very well. And I, I really feel like I was just like gripping onto a semblance of like health and life and like white knuckles, just trying not to let it go. Honestly, I think the thing that has helped me the most is just working out. Um, if I'm traveling, I found it, it's a good way to beat jet lag actually is to wake up and just go into the gym, like be on the treadmill or the elliptical for 20 or 30 minutes. If they've got a spin bike, I love doing that. So, you know, it's just something that like, like gets me in the right time zone and makes me feel healthy and like I'm taking care of myself. I mean, that's fine because I was just about to ask you if you work out while you travel. <laughs> you read Sometimes. my eyes. Yeah, I try to. Um, it, it all depends on like what the schedule for the, like what the itinerary is going to look like. But I know people when I've gone on press trips and I was like, there's no way I'm going to work out. Like, I'm not doing that to myself. It's fine. And there are people I've seen, they're like every morning they go to the gym for an hour and like do stuff. And I just, I don't know how some people do it, but for me, for me, I'm a little more forgiving with my schedule. But yeah, I do, I do like to work out, especially because one of the other kind of like tricky things with the press trips is food. So a lot of the times they arrange what restaurant you go to and they actually choose what you eat. So you don't get to, to choose what you want to eat at that place. So it's a set meal. Every place you go to is going to want to give you like the best of the best. And the best of the best is often like, really rich, buttery, like there's always dessert, which is great, but it's also awful. <laughs> so, you know, it's, 
it sounds like I'm like I'm complaining, and I'm I'm not. Like it's so cool to be able to like eat eat amazing food at places that I might not necessarily go to normally, but it also means after a week of being in Sweden and eating all of the Swedish butter that I possibly could, I was like, I have to do something about this. <laughs> like I can't just keep eating butter and bread for meals because it was so delicious. So yeah, working out is, it's helpful, <laughs> especially <laughs> if I'm eating dessert at every meal. And when you travel to all these cities, you go on like activities, like do you do um, like, I don't know, tours of the different monuments or what sort of things do you do while you travel? Yeah, sometimes tours, sometimes the publicist who's kind of organizing the trip with the destination or maybe it's the hotel is hosting us or something like that. They've, they've come up with this itinerary. So it might be a local tour company that takes us around on a tour of all the murals in a certain city. Or it might just be they're trying to highlight certain new entrepreneur and business owners. So it really depends on kind of the type of trip that it is. So like I went on a press trip to Israel last year that was, it was called like woman power press trip. And so every place that we went to was owned by a woman. Like everything was very woman centric, all the shops, the places we ate, things like that was all focused around the the female businesses and and the the women doing cool things in Israel and in Tel Aviv so that was perfect for me I loved doing something like that and I will sometimes get press trip invites for a place where they're like we're gonna go and see you know the like if I got a press trip invite for Paris and they were like we're gonna go to the Eiffel Tower and you know, all of these like well-known places, the most famous restaurants, that's a bad press trip to me because I can't write about that. Like, I'm not going to write about the secrets of Paris and include the Eiffel Tower. Everybody knows the Eiffel Tower. So it's not just that I take like any trip that comes my way. It really is like how well thought out is this itinerary? And will I be able to actually write about this stuff? Because, yeah, cool, like, that's a trip to Paris, but nobody, like, there's no magazine that I'm going to write a story for and be like, have you heard of the Eiffel Tower? (laughs) And what have your 20s been like so far? So 20s, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say happily out of my 20s, but (laughs) 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 Um, my 20s were great and hard. They were like ups and downs big time. I, I think that I reached the kind of person that I wanted to be and like finally possessed the self realization of who I really was when I was maybe 28. And I sort of imagined at 23 that I'd actually reached it, but I really hadn't. Like, I was just like, I know who I am. And then I was 25 years old and like, you know, I moved, I'd moved to San Francisco and was like doing the circus and like all sorts of weird stuff, just like filling my time because I didn't know what I wanted to do and like, didn't know what I wanted to be. 
and I was working as like a virtual assistant, you know, it's just like all these random things I didn't actually know. And so I feel like I, I really went through the journey to where I am now. Like I'm very thankful and I wouldn't change anything, but it was just like, especially when I graduated college, there's just this idea of you're like, okay, like it's, it's figured out now things are going to work out now. And it, it didn't happen that quickly. And if you could go back in time and tell your 20 year old self anything, what would you tell her? I would would say it's okay to start over or to make a big change. I actually think the bigger the change, the better. Like if you're unhappy, do something that's vastly different as opposed to something that's kind of in the same highway, just like a different lane. Like take an exit and go somewhere else. Because I was, I stayed two extra years in New York after I graduated college. I was pretty miserable. I actually, you know, I look back and I think that there's a chance at that point in my life, I'm, I should have gone to see a therapist and that I was maybe dealing with some depression issues and I just didn't realize it. And the only way that I could like manage it was just get out of New York. Like I bought a one-way ticket. I actually didn't say goodbye to anybody. Like I just left and then, you know, same thing, like being in San Francisco and realizing like, yeah, like, why don't I write? That's not the most ridiculous thing in the world. So, you know, I'd always had this desire to, to be creative and things like that. I, I don't think that I was really traveling too much when I was that age. Like I had only been to two countries by the time I was like 23 or 24 years old. So to, to be like, I'm a travel blogger now was, you know, a little presumptuous, but it was a good thing for me to be like, I'm a travel blogger. Like I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit and I'm going to try something new because I found something that I love. So yeah, if I were to go back, I would just be like, just, it's okay, like, do crazy stuff, start over, make a big change. It's, like, that's the best thing you can possibly do, possibly, in, in my opinion. Are there any questions you wish I would have asked you? Hmm. any more questions <laughs> but thank cool. you so much for doing this I really appreciate you taking the time um where, yeah. where can people connect with you people can connect with me um well first of all I have a podcast called the wild and curious podcast so if they want to hear about cool women around the world that is something that they can also tune in and listen to uh, sounds like you're talking with cool people around the world too. <laughs> and uh, they can find me personally on social media. Uh, my handle is at it's me, Teresa C. So I T S M E T H E R E S A C. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. If you know someone who might resonate with this story, please share it with them. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.